what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and happy Friday. We out here. It is Super Bowl bye week. Mm-hmm. So you have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing in the Super Bowl, which means there's no NFC West football. Uh-huh. This perfect <laughs> opportunity to talk about it because we have this bye week going to the Super Bowl. And as you heard, I have my co-host, Camo, on the line, on the Zoom. Camo, what up, though? What up, um, TJF, Justin? It's been a it's been a week, and it's, it's been, uh, still January technically. Yeah. Oh shoot! This is the last week. <laughs> it's January 29th, last week, and Super Bowl is like what February seventh, some some shit yeah. like that, right? Yeah. It's, it's so, always this kind of uh, this kind of in between time where in, I saw they canceled the Pro Bowl this weekend. So, you know, I know you were looking forward to that, and uh, you know, maybe may placing a placing a bet, but. Sorry to tell you that uh, no Pro Bowl for you. Just to clarify, they were still doing Pro Bowl shit. Like they had like dodgeball and like yeah, some, some other extracurricular activities. Yes, no? I, I You know, I, I'd have to look that up, but I think the game itself, um, you know, to whatever value it still has um, is canceled. Okay. But and that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, There's still, still happenings within the NFL, um, especially NFC West. Um that we'd like to kind of get into for sure. So it keeps things interesting, even when there's no more teams uh, remaining in this, uh, in this last dance. So speaking of, I mean, we, we didn't do a pod last week. Um, I think it was because of the outcome in the NFC West, there are no NFC West teams yeah. representing in the postseason. but the Rams did play the Packers mm-hmm. and uh, that was a pretty gnarly game, uh, a little bit, bit back and forth. And ironically for that game, uh, there were a lot of question marks about Jared Goff and, his availability with his thumb and, and everything else going for him. He played a pretty good game actually, but you know, just uh, the Packers were, were a good team. They beat the Rams and the Packers played the Bucks. And that was a, that was a really tough nail biter as well. And now the Bucks are emerged in the national football conference in the Super Bowl. Yes, indeed. Any, any quick thoughts about, I mean, I know it's like a couple weeks back, you know, yeah. throw, flashback Friday, but I mean, any, any thoughts about that Rams Packers game Rams Rams nation? I, I know it sucks, but I'm just putting it out there now. Yeah, no. Um, I, I think I actually missed, missed most of that game. Um, you know, I was, uh, you know, honestly, I was, I was pulling for the Packers this year. Um, the sort of the, the team to come out of the NFC, the NFC in general. So, um, you know, to me, I, I, I was taking the Packers in that game anyway, but, Obviously, we know the Packers lost the following week, um, despite Rodgers having, you know, an MVP, MVP-type caliber season. So, but uh, yeah, on to the next, I guess. On to the next. So, I think, you know, we still got a little bit more time before we talk about Super Bowl matchups, whether I do with you or yeah. our other co-host, tee you up, put him on the pod. But I'd like to do maybe yeah, a little, the, bit, little bit more time. Where's tee up this evening? You know, Friday night, 11 o'clock. Well, you know, the, the difference between uh, you, he's got a girlfriend, you have a wife, but I don't know if that really matters because, you know, you do wife, wifey shit and not single. So, and I'm single in COVID-19. So he's probably doing something uh, like some Netflix and show with his girlfriend right now. That's, that's good. You know, good quality time. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, yeah. This is, uh, this is my, this is my prime time. Uh, wifey's working the, working the night shift and then the little one is, should be sleeping, so you know uh, this. This is I'm 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 all yours, Just the West. Really? Okay, I will <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it. 
I'm all yours too. Let's do it. Uh, Some uh, Fieldworks, uh, Galaxy Juice, shout out to Berkeley Fieldworks. Nice. We got, uh, this is a fruity tropical IPA that I am going to pour for the pod. Right. Yeah, we should uh, we should dedicate one of these pods to a you know a beer review at some point. No, whatever whatever we've we've enjoyed most uh, within uh, in quarantine. We've done like I don't know 100, almost 160 pods. It would be nice if we can get a sponsor like a little little like a beer sponsor. That'd be awesome, or White Claw or something of the sort. Oh, cheers, by the way. Mm, cheers. cheers. I got my uh, my my Dasani here. Mm-hmm. All right. How was that? First thoughts? Yeah, that's good. It's like um, kind of like a pina colada, tropical IPA sort of vibe. It's got some fruitful notes. Yeah, nice. I like I like IPAs to begin with, so I can appreciate it. Um, all right. Well, I think for this pod, why don't we take a sort of ask just the West approach? Um, there, like we said, there's no more NFC West teams playing, but there's still a lot of action to be had with, with their, our four favorite teams. Um, so I think namely just in the last couple of weeks, obviously there's been a lot of coaching hires and changes just because of the uh, vacancies, people being fired, so on and so forth. So uh, I don't know where you want to begin really, but I think maybe just starting off with the, the teams with the most action just in recent memory the uh, LA Rams. Um, they've definitely had quite a busy last few days here. Would you, would you agree? Well, where do, where do I begin? Cause you can talk about the coaching. Uh, I know that the, what, the last three, four years for whatever reason, like their staff has been poached from Zach Taylor going to the Bengals, Greg Olson going to the Raiders. Uh, now you have Brandon Saley, defensive coordinator. He did an awesome job this this year his first time as a defensive coordinator and now he's that the head coach for the la chargers rival he didn't have to go anywhere right the office just moved like down the hall i kind of i mean i'm they, aren't, aren't they sharing the same uh stadium <laughs> i mean must be nice he goes from one new stadium to the next so you know you have inglewood and you have carson right there you go so i mean yeah pr- pretty sweet deal for him but uh yeah man like McVay's staff has been highly sought after, and now uh, he's got a new defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, who was the interim coach for the Atlanta Falcons. And you know he's been around; he was like the head coach for the for the Bucks. I mean, it, it's a good signing. Yeah. It's a good signing, and I think if anything, too, we can talk about it more so. But there's rumors, just based off what General Manager Les Snead said or didn't say about his commitment to Jared Goff, saying that as of now. Jerry Goff is our starting quarterback, but as of now, key, key. Yeah. So there's a couple, there's a couple of things to consider about the Rams. Let's, uh, let's jump, let's jump back into the the quarterback kind of rumors and such in a little bit. I kind of want to think about the, a lot of these kind of coaching changes here and get your, your kind of impression of how things might change in the coming, in the coming year, you know, year, years to come our teams you mentioned obviously the rams a lot of changes here you know losing their dc over to the chargers to become a new head coach but i think one of the more kind of interesting and you know kind of one that has a little some question marks around it is the uh the rams losing their offense losing their not excuse me 
he was not an offensive coordinator. He was not, he was a passing game coordinator, uh, Shane Waldron going up to Seattle to become the new offensive coordinator, which I've read is his first time being an OC. Is that right? Yeah. So a little bit of cross pollination between the NFC West. So as you mentioned before, Waldron, he was the passing game coordinator for the Rams. So to kind of put a little bit of an analogy, you have the offensive coordinator, right? You know, Technically, the offensive coordinator is Sean McVay, like Kyle Shanahan is the offensive coordinator for the Niners, right? So he, he calls the plays, but there's two coordinators, one for the pass game, one for the run game. So for the Niners last season, they had uh, Mike LaFleur and Mike, uh, Mike McDaniels or, or whatever, right? And so LaFleur did the passing game uh, and he went to the Jets. He, he became the offensive coordinator for the Jets when Robert Sala went to the Jets as the head coach. And so similarly, you know, Waldron is what LaFleur is to the Niners. He specifically did the passing game. And now he's going to be the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. What makes this really interesting too, is just the layers that kind of came to this because Brian Schottenheimer was the offensive, I'm sorry, the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks, right? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because they had a top 10 offense. Like this is actually their best offensive output. in like, I don't know, like a four year span, like their offense statistically was really good. And it was the whole let Russ cook movement. Uh, I think the first half of the season, he was like a bona fide, like MVP candidate through like what the first eight games of the season. Right. Um, but then I guess just the way things kind of entailed, and this is something where we'll see how this goes, but what I'm trying to, trying to say is the second half of the season, they try to get more towards the run kind of even it up, go back to Seattle football, which is pounding the rock and running the ball and controlling, controlling the game clock. And you saw that when they played, um, you know, when, when, when they played in the wildcard game, Right. You saw that uh, when they played in the wildcard game, they went very conservative. And if anything, Pete Carroll said after they, they lost in the postseason that uh, in reflection that they should have ran the ball more. I don't think he was necessarily happy with the let Russ cook a movement, right? Right. And so Brian Schottenheimer was let go. Pete Carroll has obviously, he's he's the Don, he's the OG in the Seahawks organization. And so he took an inexperienced guy like Waldron to go on. But I think that's the reason why he's doing that is because I think Carroll wants to have more power and say on the offense and then to have his, you know, have Waldron kind of carried it out. I don't think it really matters per se who's the offensive coordinator because Pete Carroll up to this point will have such a strong influence on the play calling. Right. So, yeah. I don't know, right? But I, I just pulled up uh, Shane Waldron's bio here. And while he's, like we mentioned before, he's never been a uh, office coordinator in the past. You know, looks like he's been around football for essentially since 2005 um, in a handful of colleges, college teams as uh, tight ends coach, offensive line coach, passing game coordinators, things like that. Um, so, yeah, it'd be kind of interesting to see someone who 
does he's not necessarily like you know one of these he's 41 he's relatively young he's not we're not we're not talking about a guy who's like you know 26 or something who has very limited football experience he has football experience it's more of just kind of getting the opportunity to take it to the next level which he has now and this is no slight to Walton too you know like yeah for, for there are plenty of guys that have come from a position coach perspective and then they're you know the next year they're calling the plays like yeah. Brandon Staley. That's why I was kind of surprised that Brandon Staley had ascended so quickly. Yeah. He was last year was his first year as defensive coordinator. And then the very next year in year two, as you know, the man or like as a, a very important position, he takes head coach of the, of the chargers. Right. I mean, it's certainly yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, may, uh, maybe it could happen to Waldron, but yeah, it's not out of the ordinary, but just thinking about how this all came to be, for an offense that was promising and ascending with the pass game to kind of reel back and say, we want to get back to our roots. It's, you know, it's, it's something to note. Definitely when you look at what Pete Carroll is trying to do on, on this franchise. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, let me ask you this too. Cause I mean, Russ, the, you know, let Russ cook movement was very popular. Mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. I mean, you know, they were mm-hmm. playing at a very high level. I mean, but at the end of the day, I, I feel that Pete Carroll's kind of, um, you know, as much as the game is changing to be pass heavy, I think he's still holding to what makes him successful. Um, do you agree with that or do you think he needs to get with the times? Yeah. I mean, I think the kind of firing of uh, Schottenheimer, at least being local up here, people were kind of mixed on it. Um, they were a little surprised, as you mentioned before, they were a top 10 offense at one point in the season. Um but again, the, I think the one of the biggest takeaways I think we talked about this on the last pod was just the kind of roller coaster ride the Seahawks had the season. Like beginning, the offense was cruising, their defense was terrible, and then at some point it shifted. Defense it ended up being great at the end. Um, you know, a lot of turnovers too lately by Russell right. Wilson to end the season. They had a lot more turnovers in the first half. Right. So it's hard to say. You know, maybe if things would have shifted. Starting out the year a little slow on offense, but then finishing hot, would Sean Harvey still be here? Maybe, probably. Um, but again, I think kind of, I think like you said, Pete's been here. You know, he's he's been the head coach here for, I think it's like ten years now, honestly. Or, or one of the longest long. tenured coaches in the NFL. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. But it, you know, so I think a change was was needed. Um, you know, again, he he's an old school guy. I think he he kind of felt like we need to do what what works, what works, what works well for us to get to the next level. Um, obviously they, they rode that ship with Marshawn to the Super Bowl. And, you know, famously he, he chose not to give him the ball in that one play and that's what cost him the Super Bowl. So, All right. um, yeah, you know, it's all, all sorts of speculation, but, you know, at least up here, um, you know, I, I haven't heard too many grumblings like, Oh, this is a terrible hire or anything like that. I think it's more of a wait and see approach because, you know, he, he well, he hasn't really done anything yet in, in this league. True. As an offense, as a, as a play caller. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Seahawks, you know, and I don't know if you heard as well, they've been, they've been dealing with other kind of other uh, drama. Oh yeah. Players and uh, there, yeah. Was an, there was another st- staff member who had some kind of pretty disgusting kind of oh, pornography. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So like, Things like that are still going on with the organization. You know, they're just trying to like, you know, ease the storm a little bit. But um, 
Yeah. So uh, it's, it's it'd be interesting for sure. You know, we we still have a whole kind of off season to kind of evaluate and see what happens next. But um, the, the uh, you know, we talked about the LA Rams a lot. I want to get your take kind of, you know, obviously with Robert Sala going over to the, to the Jets, that was, we knew that was going to happen. He was a hot, probably the top candidate across all coaching vacancies, essentially. Um, and then taking a couple of the offensive staff with him. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the new sort of um, top assistants uh, coordinators for the Niners at this point in D'Amico Ryan's? Yeah, well, first and foremost, before we talk about D'Amico Ryan's, I mean, a big shout out to uh, Robert Sella. Like, you know, I think that what all those years, well, it's been like three, four years back when Kyle Shanahan took the reins for the Niners. Sala was hired and he was, you know, going back to like, you've never done it. He was like a quality defensive quality coach for the Seahawks. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like he hadn't done it yet. And so he wasn't the first choice either. I think that there were other coordinators that were considered ahead of time before Robert Sala. And, you know, it didn't work out. And so they kind of went for plan C for Robert Sala, which is cool because Shanahan ended up grooming him and it worked out greatly. So, you know, it, it can happen. And I'm happy for him because he's the first Muslim head coach in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, that helps the Niners because for this offseason, there's the whole minority reward if, say, a minority becomes a head coach or a general manager. Uh, so that said team that loses that candidate gains two third-round picks for the next two years. Hmm. And if a second guy in that same offseason gets hired that's a minority to said general manager or head coach, it goes from two third round picks to three third round picks. Hmm. And so actually that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Um, Robert Mayhew, who is on the scouting staff for the Niners. He is the new general manager for the Washington football team. Hmm. And Robert Sella is now the head coach for the Jets. And so the Niners now have three third round picks for the next three years. Okay. So, I know I'm talking a little bit all over the place, but all in all, I am happy for Robert Sala. He is a uh, attention to detail, but enthused, young, uh, charismatic coach. And so I think that sort of culture that he will instill on the Jets will go a long way. So I wish him all the best. But at the same time, too, what I've been reading about D'Amico Ryans and his ascension into the NFL coaching scene is very promising. And the reason why I say that too is I'm, I'm like, shit, I, I feel like I just saw him make a couple tackles like not too long ago. I, he, like, he, he was like the linebacker for the Texans, the Eagles, like, you know. Yeah, right. He had a pretty long career too. It was like 10, 11 years. Yeah. Like, you know, a very solid career as a middle linebacker. Yeah. But from what I've been reading, I checked out on the athletic East Bend and whatnot, but this guy is, um, what can I say? Uh, he's from Alabama rags to riches hard worker yeah. leader uh, a guy that doesn't necessarily speak much but when he does he he does draw the attention of his peers right so from what i hear uh he's kind of been like that ascending guy where it was just a matter of time before he became a coordinator right. and some people have even alluded that it's a matter of time before he becomes a head coach wow. 
but considering he's been like prior to this, he was just the linebackers coach. Mm-hmm. So it shows a lot of praise that's been been given to him in such a short period of time. So I feel that, you know, for Kyle Shanahan, whether it's been Mike LaFleur going to the to the Jets or, you know, Robert Seller, like he kind of knew that eventually his guys would get poached in the same capacity as Sean McVay's staff, because whether you're the Rams or the Niners, you're doing something differently to ascend so quickly in the NFL scene that your personnel, your your guys are going to be poached. And that is a compliment to what you do and, and your ethic and what you bring to the league. Um, it sucks, but I'm sure that they had a plan in place. And so I'm optimistic for Domenico Ryans. He kind of similar to Waldron has never called plays as the coordinator, but I can see the internal fits. I, I think they are excited and I think, you know, it could work out. Yeah. Um, I guess similarly as well on the offensive side, Niners promoting essentially Mike McDaniel to the, be the new OC in a system where we know Shanahan has very complicated, complex plays and has a lot of them. Um, I know Shanahan calls, calls a lot of his own plays. Um, so it's interesting to see kind of what the working relationship is like between the head coach Shanahan and, and the new OC kind of coming in. Um, so- I'm intrigued by that too, because when Kyle Shannon first got hired by the Niners, he deliberately did not have an offensive coordinator. Right. I'm calling the plays. Sean McVay, I'm calling the plays. Yep. So, you know, when LaFleur left, I'm sure that he knew that McDaniels was also going to have the potential to get poached by another team, right? Mm-hmm. So the only way he can retain McDaniels, because obviously McDaniels is just as valuable as LaFleur. McDaniels is the architect of the run game. And as much as you like to say that Shanahan is good for the passing game, the run game has been, uh, I mean, you've seen the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. They put Matt Breida, they put Raheem Mostert, they put Jeff Will, they put undrafted guys mm-hmm. in a position to succeed and, and do a really good job, right? There was no way that they were going to lose both McDaniels and LaFleur in the same offseason. So, um, as much as Shanahan would like to have no offensive coordinator, it made a lot of sense to promote McDaniels, to yeah. give him a promotion, to give him more responsibilities as an offensive coordinator. And I know I keep going on a t- just just hear me out too. Um, I think that there is some promise because you know Lafleur is gone; he's no longer the passing coordinator. But they also got back one of their guys who had left in a couple uh, a couple years ago, which is Rich Scagarillo. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. He was the quarterback coach uh, mm-hmm. originally when Jimmy G came. Okay. Uh, he was the quarterback coach, and because of the work that he did to Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins, he got hired as the offensive coordinator for the Broncos. Mm, okay. Didn't work out. Then he went to the Eagles as the quarterback coach. And then now, since the Eagles are doing, you know, uh, a bit of a shuffle with their staff as well, Rich comes back to the Niners. And so I think essentially Rich is going to hold down the passing game. McDaniels, you know, obviously he's the coordinator now, but it kind of comes full circle. I think they had this kind of in play. Um, It's interesting. I I always find it interesting those, you know, like we said, we talked about D'Amico Ryans who had, you thought he, he, he still will be playing, honestly. You know, he's he played it for a long time in the NFL. 
and he's a new DC. And then you look on the other side, um, here's a here's a here's a good uh scrabble word for you, the juxtaposition of the OC and the DC. Uh Michael Daniel, he's been around the the he's been around the NFL since 2005 as an intern and a bunch of other positions, but he never actually played uh, according to his bio here, um, you know, in college or, or beyond that. So I've always think it's interesting when you have those two different types of, uh, you know, such key personnel, one who has a vast experience as actual player, another who is more about the X's and O's and kind of can see things from more from a kind of, objective uh, perspective and maybe that's good to compliment you know the the old school experience versus like the analytics the guy that hasn't played football but can mm-hmm. take a step back right yeah kind of like that um you know the, what uh, the money ball billy bean sort of approach uh years back yeah no sure no for sure but um yeah it'd be interesting to see i mean you were we know with the niners that shanahan is you know he's the main guy in terms of the offensive schemes and what you know, what what he wants, what he wants done, I feel like probably has to do with just the generational thing. Pete Carroll in Seattle, he's old school. He probably's going to, you know, rely heavily on on uh, the new OC to come up with these plays and run them by him to make sure that, that, that this is what he wants to do. Um, but yeah, pretty interesting to see to see that the difference there. Yeah, no, I mean, they grow up so quick. A lot of their guys in the NFC West, I mean, if like I mentioned before, if you make such a, an immediate mark in the NFL and have success, your, your guys are going to get poached. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to see how the system kind of turns out. So both McVay and, and Shanahan, they're building their own tree. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool already. I mean, they're young in their own – they're pretty young in their own right, yeah. right? Yeah. And so now they're building their guys. Yeah, for sure. They're ascending and they're they're planning their season in the NFL. Yeah. Ely, Chargers, Salah, Jets. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, at least looking over at uh McDaniel's profile here, he's his longest tenure is actually has been with the 49ers. He's been here with he's been with them since 2017. So his fourth year. Everywhere else he stayed, it's only been one or two years since. So I mean, shoot, he's, he's like in his mid-30s, right? 30, uh, 37 then. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, right. Interesting for sure. Um, has, ha, have the Cardinals made any significant moves this off season in terms of personnel? Mm, nothing in particular that I can think of. I think for them, well, sorry, Cardinal fans, but I think they're kind of reeling from what happened about how they slid and missed the playoffs. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, uh, I think they were like what eight and three or something like that to start the season, and then I don't know. They lost to the Niners when they shouldn't have. They lost to like, yeah, they they should have been in the playoffs. Like, they should have been the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals. They they should have all been in the playoffs, and that didn't happen. And you know, I I don't want to talk bad per se, but you know, uh, I think Calmer you might have saved. Uh, the head coaching job of, you know, you know, what I'm talking about mm-hmm. uh, Cliff Kingsbury, where he made one gamble. It worked out. Murray is a player, but, you know, considering for them to end their season at what eight and eight, their season should have been, 
if you were to tell me going into that season that they were going to end their season, well, let, let me d- double check the record. They were, hold on, I think they already made the Cardinals record. Yeah, they were eight and eight. So if you're going to tell me going into that season that they were going to end the season at eight and eight, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's that's a pretty good, you know, mark going into year two of the Cliff Kingsbury movement. But considering how well they were doing earlier on the season and how they finished, you'd be kind of pissed off now in, in context, right? And so Cliff Kingsbury, is he on the hot seat? No, but I think this third year heading into it's going to be very important. Yeah. Um, I haven't been, I wasn't really happy with some of the details that he did as a head coach. He would, you know, against Shanahan and McVay, he got out coached straight up. He got out coached. So I don't think that there has been a ton of turnover that I've heard. Yeah. Cardinal nation, but no means are, are they safe? Uh, I think that this upcoming year should be a very crucial year, year three for Cliff Kingsbury a third year of Murray and you take it from there, even, even their general manager, Steve Kime, like there is a couple things to consider. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. I'm sure there'll be some, probably some minor things coming up in in the soft season here, but like you said, kind of a pivotal year. It's always, you know, with uh, like in the NBA kind of for the end of, end of their rookie year, expiring contract, kind of making a decision of what's, what's coming next. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just going back to that, the salary cap, it's they're going to make some tough choices right now. Patrick Peterson, he's a free agent. Chandler Jones, he's older. He's coming off a, a lost season. Yeah. Uh, Hassan Reddick had his best career year, but now he's a free agent. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Um, so switching it up a little bit, obviously, uh, we've kind of mentioned this earlier in the pod, but... Um, you know, I think we talked a little bit about the Rams and Jared Goff and um, their GMs or Les Snead saying, you know, Jared Jared Goff is a is a Ram is our guy for for now. Kind of asterisk there. Um, you know, we talked about about this before in prior pods where you know is 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 he is Goff is, is he the is he the guy the main guy for the LA Rams moving forward into the future? Is he the face of the franchise? seems right right now that that there's questions around him and i think one name we have to consider and i i'm pretty sure that he's he's scheduled to go meet with them soon is um matthew stafford who has parted ways with the with the lions after many many years um and so there's rumors with him being tied to the la rams and the san francisco 49ers so what are your thoughts on um, Jerry Goff, Matt Stafford, um, starting with LA Rams and, and that potential um, partnership there. Yeah, I mean, cap hit wise, shoot, his going to 2021, his base salary is 25 mil. He's due $34 million. The following year is 32. Yeah, it's pretty bad, man. Like, there's, there's a lot of money tied <laughs> to Goff right now. Yeah. At least from what you're seeing for his level of play. Um, right up there with like, I mean, his his salary right now is up there with Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford, just just to name a couple of names. But I'm look I'm looking at SpotTrack.com right now. They haven't out in two years in 2023. If they were to cut him, 
they'd have only eight point six million dollars in dead cap. But if they were to make a move right now, it would. Uh, it's not going to be. Oh man, yeah, it would be. Would they be more likely to straight up cut him or release him, or would they try to trade him? If they were to cut him for this year, they would have sixty-five million dollars in dead cap. Oh shit. <laughs> okay. Twenty twenty-three, it would go down to eight point six. It goes from sixty-five to thirty-one. Right. Eight point six. So obviously, they want to make it work, right? right? Right. Because the way it's structured, like. It's just an astronomical amount of dead cap for this for this guy. So, um, but it's interesting too because Les Snead on his press conference he did mention that hey things can be done. You just have to put some money here or allocate here, change the guarantee, the bonuses, the base, the side, whatever the fuck, right? It can be done, but obviously there's a cost to it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you look right here at sixty five million dollars of dead cap. Yeah, there is a cost. So, I mean. There is a solution, but it's not going to be an easy solution, right? But it does make you wonder, too, where, you know, Jared Goff going into the postseason against the Packers, he was healthy enough to play, but uh, <laughs> they put him as active, but they put John Walford, an undrafted quarterback, mind you, as the starting quarterback. Yep. And Walford, he, he played, and he actually got hurt because Jamal yep. Adams had his dirty ass hit to the shoulder. But then <laughs> after that, Jared Goff came in, and, yeah, he, yeah. you know, he, he did his thing or whatever. Yeah. So, do you yeah. think, kind of money aside, and thinking just more just off off the bat in terms of fit between Stafford and the Rams and what they do? Can you? I mean, we know Stafford has a pretty big arm. Um, what are your thoughts just in terms of fit wise? All right, so Stafford. Georgia, former number one pick. He's 33 years old. But interesting thing about today and today's landscape, I mean, for Christ's sake, Tom Brady's 43 and he's in his 10th Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that shows, and I'm not saying apples to apples, but yeah. in today's NFL, kind of like the NBA too, about guards and just the longevity yeah. of, of shooters and what, what have you. But the rules for the NFL do, if you can be a good pocket passer and you can, avoid these stupid ass hits for, for a mobile quarterback per se. But if you can avoid that, the rules are in your favor as a passer, right? right. The passing league and if they protect the quarterback. Mm-hmm. They allow a lot of these dirty hits that I don't know that Steve Young had undergone back in the right. night. <laughs> so yeah, no, he has the potential like the new, the 33 is like the new, like 28 or some shit like that. Right. 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 So there's that optimism that he he could have a pretty good like his best football is still ahead of him, right? Um, but yeah, the the promise for Stafford on the Rams would be shoot whether it's the Rams or the Niners, McVay yeah. or Shanahan. Yeah. I think that would be optimal. Like it would be the best thing for Stafford's career. I think yeah. you know both teams have great defenses, strong running games. Whether it's Cam Akers with the Rams or you know, what Mike McDaniels does for whoever's at running back for the Niners, but he would have for the first time a solid defense, a solid run game to complement what Stafford does as a passer. So yeah, no, it, it, it's a good fit. It's yeah. a good. So basically what you're saying is uh, since we're both 33, we're, we're basically, we're just beginning our primes at this point. To the listeners. Yeah. We're both me and Kevin are 33. <laughs> I'd say that aloud, but yeah, I'm 33. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're just, we're just getting started. Um, one interesting thing, just, I think it's just, I always like to kind of see those subtle ties of what could lead possibly lead uh, a player to a certain organization. Um, uh, kind of going back to the Georgia days, uh, Stafford and, uh, you know, LA Dodger hero, actually not really, not really hero. Yeah. So Clayton Kershaw are very close. So LA Dodgers, LA, LA Rams, you know, you never know. But all right. I will say this though, like, Obviously, Stafford would be a great fit, whether it's yeah. the Rams or the Niners or, I don't know, the Colts, the Bears. Like, there's there's plenty of teams that want a quarterback this offseason, okay? Um, I don't know. What what would the Rams give up anyways? Because you have this shitty contract with golf right now, right? Yeah. They, have, they gave up, like, two, <laughs> two first-round picks for Jalen Rett. Like, they don't have that many draft picks. They actually haven't had a first-round pick since Jared Goff when they took him for the first overall pick. They've traded all their – picks for the most part yeah so it would have to be like a combination of mid-round picks feature picks mm-hmm. uh and also like Inspiring. some players like some legit players like cooper cup or some shit like that right yeah. mm-hmm. you'd, have, you'd have to give some some, yeah. some bone to, to the trade if you if you don't have the draft capital interesting and um, i don't i don't know how they'd allocate the jerry golf thing but i mean yeah i mean it can certainly be done but uh, it's gonna be it would be a challenge we talked about it before, but, you know, talking about the Niners and, and obviously I, I think there's, I think if there's going to be in terms of a meter of where Stafford could land between Niners and Rams, I think it's edging more, leaning more towards the, the Niners and the Rams at this point. I saw today somewhere that, you know, talk of completely just cutting Jimmy G and however much is still owed to him on, his, on that huge contract. Um, so what are your thoughts on on Jimmy G's prospects going forward and Stafford possibly coming in? That's an excellent question because I have thought about that all week because I know <laughs> about the Jimmy Garoppolo contract, okay? So the reason why I say that it's more likely that, you know, the Niners would get Stafford over the Rams is because the way that Jimmy Garoppolo's contract was done to begin with allows them some mobility to pivot, Okay, so all those years back, well, it's not even that long, but like three years ago, you know, three years ago, they trade for Jimmy. He goes five and oh, you know, everyone's happy and he's a free agent. Right. So obviously you want to retain the cat, uh, the kid, but at the same time, too, he's unproven. So they I won't say it's a Colin Kaepernick type of deal, but they gave him a very. Um, they gave themselves an out where they guaranteed money. They made the contract in which the guaranteed money was paid up front for the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And they did that strategically because for the first couple of years, as they're rebuilding, there's not that many contracts that they have to pay. Like at the time, they, don't, they didn't have to resign Kittle. They didn't have to um, spend all this money uh, to retain their players quite yet because they're still like year, year two in, in their franchise rebuild with Shanahan and Lynch. They did that so that for later years, with the guaranteed money already paid out, if they were to cut him, it wouldn't be that bad. Okay. So as of right now, when I look at it, he is due $26 million, right? But do you know how much money a dead cap would be on spottrack.com? No idea. If you were to cut him right now, it's $2.8 million in dead cap. 
Wow. Yeah, it's 2.8. Mm-hmm. And the reason the reason why is because I look at all the guaranteed money and all, all the, the signing bonuses. They his base like his base salary last year it was year actually year one in 2018 for his new contract, you gotta pay 37 million. <laughs> they did they put it all ahead, like we're gonna pay you right now, yeah. we're gonna be happy. So for later years we have some mobility and it was a win-win at the time because Jimmy Garoppolo at the time was unproven, mm-hmm. but he's like, Hey, we'll pay you up front. And if we can go out, is that a good alternative? And considering the, he's, he's off his rookie contract, he's like, yeah, I'll take $37 million the first year of my new deal. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So right now he's, he's due like 26 this upcoming year. Right. Um, so as upsetting that jimmy might be if he were to get released i mean he knew that going into that you know he had to show out and and do well and obviously not all of it is his fault with injuries and everything else aside that's gone on the last year year and a half season season and a half from super bowl on but uh that's what we're presented with and that's why i have a little bit more optimism for jimmy g versus jerry goff in terms of like getting out of the contract and then another thing to note about Jimmy G is just like, you know, um, uh, it might, he, he's, when healthy, he's a good quarterback. I, I can't say the same thing about Jared Goff. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 I was trying to think about this today. Cause I mean, you know, obviously, you know, it's no secret that you and I, for Niners fans, a lot of our friends as well, tee up, um, I'm sure he would have, he has his own thoughts on this. You know, I'm trying to wrap my head around, you know, you know, we've, like you said before, when healthy, Jimmy G is a good quarterback, but again, that's, he's been with the Niners for three years. He's been hurt for half of it, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Stafford, one thing that works in his favor is that he's played a lot of games and he's been dependable. Um, he takes a lot of hits, but he's on, he's been on bad teams. Um, you know, but he's still, he's still out there. Um, you know, I think if they were going to make this move and Stafford were to come in, you know, how would the Niners fans react to this? It's hard to say. I mean, I, I just off the cuff, I think, I, I think it's a, a, I do think it is a slight upgrade, honestly. No, I think it's a major upgrade. Actually, yeah. for the record, I, I I'm a big pro Jimmy guy. Like I, I yeah. appreciate what he does. Yeah, you know, like he's what he's done to this franchise prior. Like they had Brian Horry and C.J. Beathard, and exactly. yeah. you know, right. So he's done a tremendous job for this franchise, and yeah. I'll always be thankful for for that, the moments, and all right. that. But you know, uh, the opportunity to get Stafford presents another element that they haven't had, yeah. which is the deep ball. Deep ball, yep. Jimmy Garoppolo hardly throws, nor does he complete deep completions to his receivers, right? Uh, Stafford can make all the throws. He's durable, like you mentioned before. And so that element in Kyle Shanahan, especially on play action, if you can throw down deep to like, I don't know, can you imagine Brandon Ayuk down down deep? Yeah, right. He, he, be insane, right? So insane. Yeah. That would be good. Uh, the one caveat, though, about Stafford is – I don't know. He's 0-3 in the playoffs. Like, he's never won a playoff game. And maybe it's it's probably because the Lions are the Lions. Like, they've yeah. had a, like the Lions have been 
historically a pretty bad franchise like the last decade or so, but you know, he's also had some pretty good players himself. He, he had Calvin Johnson as a receiver. They didn't, they didn't do shit. Yeah. So, you know, as much as I'd like to say that, Hey, Stafford is like a casual annually 4,000 yard passer. Yeah. He hasn't won it on, on the big stage. And I'm sure that, you know, as much as I'd like to be excited for Stafford, yeah. Knowing the fan base, knowing everyone, like they, they always find some reason to to pick. Of course. Yeah, you know, whatever. That's just the fan base in the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be critical of that too, meaning that, hey, you know, Steph, we gave up all these draft picks yeah. and, you know, th- this cat hasn't done it yet. So just keep that in mind. I mean, I think if I think of if I'm Stafford at this point, you know, thinking about, like you said, 0 3 in the playoffs, despite having, you know, an all time great wide receiver and, and Calvin Johnson, who, you know, I think ended his career early, you know, I, you never think of Detroit having like a superior offensive line or even, or, or super great defense. They've had good players on both sides, but just a prospect of the Niners after this year's a wash with all the injuries to Bosa to uh, Thomas, you know, uh, secondaries, how many different lines we had this year, the prospect of, that defense coming back and just our team being healthy and Stafford coming in and having, you know, a top five defense at his to back him up. So he doesn't have as much pressure to put points. Um, it's very exciting. And then again, like you mentioned, Ayuk for a deep ball, Debo Samuel, um, you know, uh, whoever we draft in, 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 in the draft this year, it's, it's, it's exciting. You know, I, I think in the fresh start more than anything, you see a lot of these guys, who, you know, spent a lot of time in organization, move on, and then you know, look at Tom Brady, first year at the Bucks, they're going back to the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, he's still Tom Brady, obviously can't compare the two, but um, I think a fresh start in new place is, is going to rejuvenate him. Yeah. I mean, I think if anything, too, to go to a franchise, and it's kind of weird to say because the Niners have been like a shit show in years past, but yeah. go to a franchise with stability, Yep. Shanahan and Lynch, like yeah, it'll go. Or you can go to McVeigh, McVeigh and, and Snead and the Rams, like. Yeah. Um, but I think stability will go a long way for any any quarterback. Yeah. Watch after all this, we'll find tomorrow. He's like, oh, rumors are uh, Stafford's gonna be signing with the Colts or something. So <laughs> could happen. Really happen, by the way, because the Colts actually. Uh, now that I think about it, they might be the best fit for Stafford because you know the Rams have golf. The Niners have Garoppolo, but the Colts really have no quarterback right now. Phil Burr's retired. Brissett is a free agent. They have no quarterback. (laughs) So in terms of like what they have to lose, they have nothing to lose. They have an ascending defense. Um, They have a good, strong run game, but they need a signal caller to, hey, you know, know, right. You know, who's available is uh, Josh McCown, your boy. He's uh, he's always around. (laughs) He's always around. That that is true. That's true. Uh, one thing I think I don't know if it's gonna make a difference, but Stafford, I believe Detroit played in the dome, right? They they, they don't play outside. Correct. Indy is also in a in a in a closed facility. And you know what? They also have their colors are also blue and white. Ah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, things to consider. So yeah. We'll uh, see what happens. My prediction is I think a move will happen yeah. in the next week i think before super bowl we will know where matthew stafford will be because at least on twitter yeah. it seems like uh there's been a lot of conversations between 
teams. And so I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I agree. So cool. Well, lots to talk about the NFL, NFC West for sure. Um, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll do this again with a Super Bowl. It gets closer to uh, kind of get some insight into that game. But, yeah, yeah, no, I just wanted an opportunity to, uh, well, it's always good to talk to you and to have you on the pod, but just to talk some NFC West football, since we have this bye week, we have this gray area uh, to talk about some of the rumblings. It just so happens that a lot of the rumblings in the NFL is in our division. So it, it was a good opportunity to at least speak top of mind about but, uh, it. Quick, quick thought here. Um, what did you take? What did you think of, um, and I think you probably saw it on Twitter or something, uh, I think it was DK Metcalf ranking his top five wide receivers. And then it was also, who was the other wide out they asked, but essentially DeAndre Hopkins felt slighted because he was essentially ranked number five out of the top five. He's like, why am I number five? I should be number one. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, to DeAndre Hopkins point, like bold words, fighting words from, <laughs> from from a young gunner like dk metcalf he had you know i know he's ascending but wow <laughs> yeah I think, I think hopkins is one of the best receivers in, in the league right now so shit i mean you, you the list up there you know dk hopkins stefan diggs um you know i think i think uh i think dk put his boy aj brown up there just because of obviously teammates and he had a hell of a season too don't get me wrong but um yeah. you know it's all those guys are like 1a one ABCD type type players. Yeah, I don't know. I, I got my own list too. Like, you know, I, I appreciate like Julio Jones, Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Like there's some really good there's some really good receivers in this league right now. Yeah. Um I actually think Julio was ranked number one across both the both the lists that were on there. So Yeah, no, I mean he, he's done it. He's 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 a great receiver. So I like him better than like fucking slant god Michael Thomas, because that's that's all he runs. <laughs> Yeah, what a weird year for Thomas this year. Like getting in fights, like not playing, and I don't know. It was, it was strange. Yeah, no catches in the postseason. I'll tell you that he got shut out. There you go. No, so, I don't know. All right, my friend. Good All right. Well, okay, well, I appreciate your time as much as hopefully you appreciate mine because we're best buddies and it's always good to talk to you. To our listeners, thank you for checking out the pod, whether it's on iTunes or Spotify. Check us out on Instagram at Just the West, Twitter at Just the West, and of course the blog, which I haven't done in a bit, but it's there. <laughs> www.justthewest.com. Camo, appreciate your, your time. We out here. Peace. Peace. <laughs>